Welcome to the Ortho Joe Show, a joint production of the Journal of Bone and Joint Surgery and Ortho Evidence. In our world, orthopedic research is king, and current topics from our respective publications are analyzed weekly. Here is Mohit Bandari from Ortho Evidence and Mark Swinkowski from the Journal of Bone and Joint Surgery. Well, good morning, Mo. Good morning. Um, as you can tell from my artificial Zoom background, I'm in the office uh, in Needham, Massachusetts, the office of the JBJS. And for uh, you, I know you travel so much that you've got a tale of woe. And I know there are many listeners who listen to Ortho Joe that have had a summertime tale of woe. So my venture yesterday to get to here in Boston, uh, flight leaves three and a half hours late. Uh, we get into, uh, I'm supposed to be here at seven, get in, I don't know, 11. And then I get to the car rental place and there's a line that's 30 people long because they don't have any cars, right? So that's another hour and a half. And then I get on 93 South and they got it down to one lane. So this is near midnight and it's stop and go traffic to get to this. So I got in about one in the morning when I was supposed to be there at 730. So I have my Ortho Joe mug filled to the brim with my fourth cup, uh, trying to stay awake. Uh, but I'm glad to talk to you because I know what we talk about is always so stimulating that I probably don't need the Joe. But anyway. <laughs> well, I, I will tell you something. There's a viral clip since we're talking about delays. Air Canada's, I think one of their executives was at the airport at Toronto Pearson and going on and on about how Air Canada, and I shouldn't be naming it airlines, but <laughs> Canadian airline. Okay, just take it, forget everything. A, Canadian Canadian airline. Airline. a major Canadian airline. Exactly. <laughs> getting up and saying, we're, we made a ton of effort, a ton of investment into, you know, making sure we can get our flights on time. And as they're doing it, the reporter slowly pans up to the board behind her. Seven Air Canada flights, delayed, delayed, canceled, canceled, <laughs> delayed, delayed, delayed. It has become <laughs> viral. It's viral. Um, you know, everyone's just thinking, okay, how can you be... You know, this is bad timing. But anyways, yeah. Well, yeah. I start with I start with a topic we can all relate to. But I really want to, you know, you are a master of the use of the LinkedIn tool, and I commend you because you've done a lot of work about balancing lifestyle and and keeping the the listening and watching public up to your pursuits and uh, rapid downhill bicycling and uh, climbing mountains and climbing sheer rock faces and uh, your efforts to spend time contemplating, but you had a post, uh, I think it was about 10, 14 days ago on advisory boards uh, yeah. and what a waste they are. And I'll caveat by saying I've experienced many a waste of advisory boards, but sometimes it, you know, you hit the sweet spot and I was talking about what that sweet spot looked like. Well, why don't you tell our audience a little bit more? I, I know there are people that listen into this that have experience with advisory boards and I think what you were trying to bring up uh, carries over to a lot of different organizational structures, but uh, well, you what know what was the main yeah, point? Sure, sure. Like, you know, on the broadest of discussions, it's really any team meeting, any major group meeting. But in this particular case, it was an advisory board group, you know, a group of, um, and I'll use the word so-called because I always consider myself a so-called mm -hmm. expert when I'm invited. So we're all these individuals invited with the purpose to discuss a particular, a particular problem or answer some questions. But my, um, I guess over the years, I guess, you know, I, I felt that they're usually not productive use of time. And then when you, you know, you make the effort to go and you get there, you, you realize this is not, this is just, I came out of it with very little, whether it's a team meeting, 
a hospital board meeting, a university, whatever it may be. In this case, it was an industry-driven board meeting. Regardless, um, what I did learn though is when things go well, Mark, mm. it's very, it is uniquely different. So I was thinking, I'm thinking, why am I feeling good about this? Because normally I never feel good leaving a board meeting. I, I just haven't really felt like I've accomplished anything when it comes to these sorts of things. And I sort of reflected on what you know, sort of the things were, and in the post specifically, but, you know, I use the, I use this acronym, which I, it helps you remember, so that I don't have to, you know, make notes, I remember it, I try to really think about what, what it was, what we were trying to do, and as a board, I felt we were trying to help, and then from that, those four letters are the things in my mind that remind me what we should be doing, or what I should be doing when I'm thinking about participating, well, one is leading with honesty, and we can speak to what that means, but, you know, not a lot of uh, virtue signaling or posturing just be truly honest if you don't know something or if something isn't working say it like mm -hmm. like we're not there to be telling everyone how great we are we're there to try to try to sort out a problem let's hope um talk with evidence there's a lot of opining about all kinds of things but it's never driven in data and when data is brought up it's silent uh, i'm not saying this happens all the time but in the worst case scenario it happens so begin with evidence mm -hmm. i think there's a lot can happen when we genuinely try to learn from each other and actually learning means you have to and listen to other people yeah. so you know just sitting there quietly and i'll tell you as a sidebar someone who did this very very well and i've been in a few meetings with you know professor tom einhorn you know was a good friend of yours and you know, certainly a respected mentor of mine i would watch him at a meeting and he would be quiet and i say oh he, you know i guess he's just not interested in this he wasn't he was listening before speaking and then he would say something at about 15 minutes in that would so clearly articulate the issue and it started making me think, you know, you hear this anxiety to be the first to speak, but I think listening is a really powerful tool that he used very well. As an example, I remember that very clearly. And then the last part of it, P, was purpose. And why are we there? Half the time I leave wondering, like, why were we even invited to this? What was the purpose of this sort of, you know, meeting friends, colleagues, and then having a lunch and then leaving sort of thing? So really getting a sense of the core purpose. So those four things, honesty, evidence, learning, listening, purpose, and some sort of code of professionalism, which is we don't attack individuals, we attack ideas. That's totally fine. Um, but if we don't attack ideas, we're not being honest. And that became this kind of sweet spot that I experienced. And I thought to myself, why am I feeling this as an unusual experience? And why can't this be the norm? And it seemed to, Mark, as you said, get a lot of interaction. I think a lot of people feel that there needs to be some changes. Yeah, absolutely, and and I, I you you know you're you're a chair of a surgery department, and and uh, you you have regular meetings, and I, uh, my sense is that these the, this, the same acronym uh, applies to a departmental meeting, uh, particularly when you're the leader of that uh, meeting. You agree with that? I'm I'm sure. Hundred percent. I I honestly I think walking into any meeting, you know, we have to be. You know, we, we we can name the meeting as a board, but really it's a group of individuals coming together as a collective, hopefully to be stronger than the individual and trying to figure that, that out, right? And that dynamic. And I suspect to our listeners, at, at whatever stage or whatever level you're in, you're experiencing some sense of frustration or some sense of optimism, depending on the meeting you attend. And the question is, how do you maintain it? Or what do you learn from the good ones? And what do you really learn from the bad ones? Right. I suspect you'll tell me if you disagree, but the P for the purpose that really speaks against routine meetings, you know, regular meetings that are just on somebody's calendar because that's what you do. What are your thoughts about scheduled meetings? What, what do you do at Mac in the surgery department? 
Yeah, right. So the, the challenge I have, and I don't know if you've experienced this and others have too, which is someone will say, oh, you know, can we meet, you know, regularly? I say, sure, we should meet regularly. There's a purpose to meet. And then I'll leave. And I think it's been misheard as I'm going to insert a calendar invite every <laughs> week, 9 a.m. on Tuesday or something. Thing. not Tuesday, let's say Wednesday, whatever, pick a day, right? Tuesday, I love these Tuesdays. So, you know, on, on, on those events. And I'm looking, and then you get there and you cancel them. You're canceling half of them. And now it's in your calendar. So I can't be the only one who's experiencing that. And so when you look at my calendar, I actually do every week on a Sunday, look at my week and say, what really has to be done? And I have no qualms anymore about rescheduling meetings or asking, why are we meeting? And usually when you say, why are we meeting? It's usually, oh, you're right. And then it's just removed. Yeah. Um, but most of us sometimes just go through, like I did it passively. Mm -hmm. So it's a meeting I'll attend and doesn't lead to much. And you realize you've lost big chunks of your day that you could have done other things that could have been, you know, helping the mission and purpose of the institution or your, you know, or, or your own personal programs. So right. I, I will tell you also, like I looked at in preparation for this, cause I thought, you know, you know, there's got to be lots of information and there's lots of information, Mark, on boards and executive boards. But there was an interesting piece that I think like by the Harvard Business Review in 2002 by Jeffrey Sonnenfeld, which talks about what makes great boards great. Now, I took away from it, not just it has to be like a fancy board of a group, but it could simply just be any group gathering, right? Any group that's meeting together regularly. And the first thing they said is, you know, we sometimes um, create a group of people that we want. Let's say it's for a, a large trial, right? We have our steering committee that would be, in some ways, we're trying to get very prominent individuals. But they said regular meeting attendance is critical. So, you know, they talk about the, the reality is that you have to, if you're a director of a board or you're involved, you have to attend, you have to participate. And being name only isn't enough, right? So they go on about how a lot of big companies will get very prominent individuals, but they never show up. Um, so that was a big issue of it. You got to get people to show up. The other thing they said, which is interesting, is some of the strongest companies in history, GE back in 200, you know, 2000s, was considered the greatest company ever. And they had given very little stake to the board members. In other words, like they didn't have a big stake in the company, which they actually felt was a positive because they were really genuinely interested right. in the company's growth rather than you know, some companies that give massive equity stakes and massive incomes to board members. So that, you know, you can imagine that, right? How that would have an impact. They talked about obviously skills. They talked about board member age, which is interesting, right? Because we're seeing a culture now where we're seeing a big shift to entrepreneurialism being the game of the 20 year old. And I hear it all the time. I heard at McMaster all the time that, you know, young entrepreneurs are the future and the rest of us are kind of going to just, you know, kind of hang on, right? And try to work with them. Interestingly, though, when you look at historical boards, age is actually considered an asset, not a detriment. And in fact, they talk about that board data from company after company says, you know, you need to have some senior members of a board to give that culture. The other thing they also say is past CEOs. What happens, you know, when there's a past chair, past CEO, past, you know, editor in chief, whatever that may be, uh, Mark, in someone's life. There's huge value to that individual still participating if they so wish to, to give that sort of counsel and guidance, which they talk about specifically on boards too. CEOs that are retired should still participate because they offer a lot of opportunities that people just lose when they just, you know, um, don't um, engage them in a meaningful way. Independence. And the last thing I'll say to you is a culture of open dissent, which gets back to this whole issue of honesty, which right. so it's kind of nice to see that, right? You've got to be able to 
openly speak your mind and not feel that you know you're you're, you're everyone's towing the same line because then it's just a bunch of head nodding that's not going to lead to anything important i felt anyways i found that important i'm sure we could probably put a link to that it was open access so there, there's not a cost to accessing it so i suspect yeah. anyone who wants to read it could read it that's great i certainly agree with the uh the recommendation about having senior members i i've used my two predecessor uh, Vern Tolo and Jim Heckman, they remain on the editorial board and, and are invaluable um, in, in, in offering a wise counsel when it comes particularly to, to complicated uh, interactions with, uh, with authors and with, board, with other boards, et cetera. That transitions into a topic that uh, came out in this uh, biweekly publication of the journal was an excellent what's important article by my Friend and colleague Joe Zuckerman, the chair at NYU on the aging orthopedic surgeon. Uh, and he does an excellent job about outlining the issues in terms of uh, surgical skill and judgment and how uh, one can continue to contribute. Uh, and I, I'm sure you've, you've already come across some of that in your term as a chair of surgery, how, how to deal with it. I certainly am at the end of my career and um, the way I've uh, dealt with the issue about fading skills as I have these wonderful scrub techs and circulating nurses, and they have all been commissioned to tell me exactly if they ever see a slip in skill or judgment or hesitation or something inappropriate. And I've uh, offered to reward them financially if they ever see anything like that. Uh, but what, what are your thoughts about uh, the whole issue of, about uh, the aging uh, surgeon? Yeah, I mean, you know, and you start thinking about it more and more with every passing year. And, you know, you always think it's, you know, there's this um, cognitive dissonance was I have time, but the reality is if we don't plan for things. Well, you do, but I don't. Oh, no, listen, we all have time. You have lots of time too, <laughs> trust me. So, but, but you know, at, in our institution, there's been, and I think um, there's been, and we've been seeing that same things happening across Ontario. Um, I think Sandy Brook has done the same at the University of Toronto and University of Western Ontario, Western University is doing the same thing, which is they're finding these opportunities for, um, well, you, you've used the term aging surgeons, but I'll say the more, you know, experienced seasoned, you know, surgeons who are now looking to transition to a new part of their life, um, mentoring. You know, so like, like almost having a paired practice. So as someone goes from 100% to 80 to 50 to 40, there's a ramp up of a uh, of a mentee surgeon that will ultimately take his or her position, which I think has worked out really well. It's a little tricky, in, you know, in making sure that there's, you know, a real alignment of, of ideas, but when, when it works, it is such a amazing experience that you'd wish you could make it happen for everyone. It doesn't always happen. And not everyone is amenable and wants to have that, have that happen. But that's been one model that we have seen at least tried and raised with many of our senior surgeons. And, you know, I've, I, Say on half, half at least have really endorsed that idea. And others just, you know, are still trying to struggle with the idea of slowing down, which is really hard. I mean, that's the other part of it, right? Is what do we do when we're no longer an orthopedic surgeon? What do you actually do? And when I ask, um, you know, at our, our annual meetings, hey, you know, I always ask, are you happy? That leads to a whole wormhole for some people. Like, you know, like, what do you mean happy, right? So you go into that. But after you get past that, it's like, well, you know, if you weren't working in orthopedics, what would you do? How would you spend your day? And surprisingly, there's a, not a few individuals that really haven't considered it. And I think it's important to have those discussions. Yeah, absolutely. And pay attention to balance in your life. And uh, that's what you've been so great at with sharing 
your experiences and interests on LinkedIn. And uh, I think it's a real contribution to not only the field of orthopedics, but also professionals everywhere. So kudos to you. So with that, uh, I'm starting to fade uh, due to my lack of sleep. Uh, and uh, I got to go get the fifth cup as I have a couple of uh, meetings here at the at the editor editorial offices. So Mo, great to talk to you as always. Cheers. And Cheers to you. And may your may your return flight be far less than several hours. Let's let's just hope it's quicker. Let's just hope I'm, it's quicker. I'm praying for that. But have a good day, Mo. You too. Take care. Okay. Bye. Bye. -bye.